years and years working at the brothel has brought me full circle of what I see in the world. Yeah. Even, even politicians, you know, even like I, I, I've met a lot of people working there. So just watching them in the world evolve today is, is kind of odd for me, but it's, it's something I take like, that was a great, great for me to learn that young. So. Yeah. Are there like some big politicians that, I mean, you just said seeing people evolve today. Are there like big politicians in the, this, like that you've seen there? Um, oh yeah. And not only there, but I've, uh, you know, the girls go to see things like that. You know, when they're in town, they're visiting, doing their whatever, they come to visit the girls and Dennis would go out to dinner with them. It wasn't anything that was hidden or not publicized. It was all publicized. So it wasn't anything big, but I was the person behind the scenes making that happen. In this episode of the Cole Memo, I sit down with Danielle and I worked at the Bunny Ranch with under Dennis Hoff for around 10 years. Oh, a little over 10 years in the office. No, my nickname was the handler. Oh, why is that? Because I handled all the situations that came up. Yeah. What were some of the crazier situations? We, we mentioned the semi. You can see that semi just going right through the fence, destroying the place. Owner Dennis Hoff says five employees, 30 prostitutes and 10 customers were there at the time. Like, like a bomb went off in here, just like crazy. Like everything was all shaking. What are some crazy situations that have come up that you've handled? Uh, well, it would be mostly about probably more than one time. I will say this. A guy has dosed a girl. GHB, like uh, the date, dra date rape drug. And uh, my job was to make sure that when the girl came into party that she was, you know, okay. Like if they booked the party, they paid, they paid me in the office and they were okay. If I, it, as soon as say the girl put 20 minutes on the clock and I called into the room to say time to reparty, the girl didn't respond to me. I would wait another five minutes, call into the room, time to reparty and she didn't respond to me i would go in and things sometimes it wasn't the best deal this is episode number eight in our series on the legal sex industry in nevada if you'd like to see all of the episodes that we've released to date you can go to thecolememo.com slash sex once again that's thecolememo.com slash sex and you can stream all of the episodes that have been released to date. Folks, I just wanted to say that you'll notice that in this episode, my background says the Chillinois podcast, which was the former name for this show that you're currently listening to, The Cole Memo. So these episodes were released quite some time ago. In fact, today is December 25th, 2023, and I believe this conversation was recorded around November 20th of 2022. So since then, the name of this show has changed. I just wanted to make that very clear before I sent you into this conversation. One other thing that I'd like to make clear is that once again, this is the Cole Memo. I'm your host, Cole Preston. Every episode is released in audio, video, and transcript format. So if you want to find the transcript, audio, or video version of any episode, just refer to the description of the episode that you're listening to now. 
within that description, you can find a link that will take you to our website, which will display the transcript for this episode and the platforms where you can find this episode in audio or video formats. If you're unable to locate the episode description on whichever platform you're listening from, you can just note the episode number and visit the website, our website, my website, thecolememo.com. From there, you can find the corresponding episode, and then you'll be able to access the audio, video, and transcript version of that episode. You might also find any links that I reference during the episode so that you might be able to do your own research. If you're not listening to this episode of The Cole Memo on Patreon, then you're listening to this episode later than our patrons. To become a patron, go to thecolememo.com slash Patreon. It's a great way to support our show. One of the best ways to support our show is free. Subscribe to or follow our show. Leave us a positive review from wherever you're listening to us from. Favorite this episode. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment or post a review. Your engagement and support is appreciated. Folks, once again, today is December 25th, 2023. Merry fucking Christmas. Enjoy this episode. It's a very interesting one. If you couldn't tell by the uh, small clips that I featured in the beginning of this episode, here's the full conversation I had with Danielle the handler. Enjoy. Danielle, thank you for sitting down with me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, for folks that might be wondering why I'm talking to you today, first of all, they know they're turning tuning into our legal sex series, but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. And I think that'll set the stage as to why I'm talking to you today. <laughs> sure. I'm Danielle and I worked at the Bunny Ranch with under Dennis Hoff for around 10 years, oh, a little over 10 years in the office. Yep. And there it is. That's why we're talking today. So, um, you know, I have been talking about this. uh, The one thing I've been saying, and I'm like reflecting on it now, and I'm like, this is such a cheesy way of saying it, but I've been talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think that's a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, I don't know. It is? Okay. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to acknowledge what I think is good about the sex industry, which just right off the bat, and if you have any thoughts on this, feel free to take this on. I don't think that we should legislate morality, but at the same time, I believe that there should be protections for human beings that like work, work, workplace protections. Cause just right off the bat, one of the things I've found is like the concept of lockdown brothels, you know, where workers have to stay for at least three weeks and work 24 hour shifts. Like that literally sounds like a slave camp. So, Hey folks, just wanted to check in here really quick. I just made a comment about how this sounds like a slave camp and I think I've mentioned this in episodes that I've already aired, but in case you missed those episodes, I just wanted to say that I don't know that that characterization that I just said is completely true. Um, You know, if you think about it, the point I'm trying to make is that you have to like sleep at the location and wake up when a bell rings and, you know, jump into action. But you could say the same thing about being a firefighter or working in healthcare. Uh, from what I understand, those jobs can require you to sleep on site, or, you know, and have to jump at a moment's notice at a bell. So um, I wanted to explain where I was coming from with that comment and also kind of walk it back just a bit. Um, I still think there is some validity to the um, 
critiques of the lockdown brothel system, which is something I believe we talk about a bit in this episode, but definitely in this series. So once again, if you haven't watched all the episodes to date, go to thecolememo.com slash sex. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Oh, yes. So there's a little bit of the good and the bad, bad for me, but I want to just give you the space from your perspective. What is the good, the bad and the ugly from the sex industry? So. Well, I think the good for me was that it was so regulated by the medical uh, field as far as being checked for STDs or anything ongoing health issues weekly and monthly, which I understand on, on also the downside is a huge cost for the ladies. So it is something that they have to pay for weekly and monthly. And then, of course, yearly to get their license. So that, that is a huge cost factor. Um, I think that's on the upside for me because it is regulated, right? So it is, it is by county and it is by medical facilities and professionals that can tell you what's going on. Second, I think that uh, the ladies are there to make their money. You know, they, they are who they are. And, and I appreciate every single one of them that uh, f- fill their, their boots. You know, they're, they're, they're there to make their money, go home. They have goals. Some are going through, putting themselves through school with the money. Some are supporting their families. It's, it's, a, huge, it's a huge give on their part too. Sexuality is sexuality, right? But you have to be more uh, in a giving state to be a professional sex worker. And then uh, I think on the low side, in my experience, was the amount of debt that the girls would get into because they have to owe the house. You owe the house every day for room and board. You owe the house. If you can't pay, if you don't have money to pay for those doctor visits, you owe the house. Like you can get so far in debt that you can have several parties, parties, and not make enough money to cover those debts. So you're always in debt at the house. So not only do you have the debt of coming into the brothel, which is flying in for most girls driving and whatever it is for the travel, then you have the doctor fees, right? And the licensing fees, and then the daily fees of living at the brothel. Then there's always the drivers. You have to pay the drivers to take you anywhere if you don't have your own vehicle. So there's a lot of debt that's occurred while you're there too. And if you don't make the money or if you don't have the the regular customer coming in, you may not walk out of there with any money. You may walk out of there owing the house. So that's the downside for me as far as what what I worked with at the Bunny Ranch as far as the girls coming and going is there was a lot of debt that they were in when they worked there and if they didn't have the big parties or the continual parties from customers coming in, then that would mean that they owed and that's not a good place to be. Yeah. And it's like one of the things I saw in a report, which I'll try to include in one of our podcasts. Um, it's hard for me, but I know I've got it saved somewhere. Uh, this, this reporter, great reporter described that, you know, there, Sex work is not a monolith. And some of these women get into it thinking that everybody can make fat stacks of cash. And that is possible for some women that are really beautiful. And uh, I don't even mean to say that you have to be beautiful. Everybody, everybody's definition of beautiful is subjective, right? So, so you could be beautiful in your own way. um, But what you do have to be is ambitious, consistent, um, 
innovative to an extent. You got to be like online marketing, doing podcasts, like, you know, frankly, yeah. some of the, yes, absolutely. You have to be driven. Um, some of the, some of the women, the, the working girls that sat down with me for this podcast, frankly, I, you know, they advertise some of their services on my show, part of what they're doing, you know, not only sitting down and I appreciate them sitting down and taking some of the real questions that I had, but they're also advertising too, you know, for people that are <laughs> right. The sale, right. It's just like mm -hmm. a sales job and you have your customer base, right? And so when those customers come in on a regular basis, you're doing really well. If you have consistent customers that return for you, yeah. you're really doing well in the industry. If you do not, then you're not. Then <laughs> if you're not willing to advertise yourself or marketing or get out there in the public eye, it's not going to work for you. Most of them, it does not work that way for them. Yeah. And so the way that that, that reporter described it, uh, I think it was a, a woman, she was like, you know, there are some women that go and they thrive at the bunny ranch, but they could also thrive at in any escort service across the United States. They there can. are some women that go and no matter where they go, if it's the bunny ranch or if they go to, to an escort service, if you're not driven or ambitious or, or if frankly, you just get the wrong, you know, draw the hand or whatever the saying is, you could end up in a really dire circumstance, which like you say, and some others have said, it's almost like a black hole that you can't get out of with regard to the yeah. debt specifically. It, it is. I mean, and I mean, some, some ladies strictly would come to say they were having a hard time and it was, um, they were maybe in trouble with the wrong person and they would come for protection, but they would never make any money because they were there just hiding out basically. So therefore they wouldn't market themselves. They wouldn't do anything. So they do end up in debt, right? Those are the women that do end up in debt that don't want to. And frankly, I mean, it's not as easy as it seems. It's not easy on 12-hour shifts to get up in those stiletto high heels and walk down those long hallways and get in that lineup and be denied time after time after time and not chosen by the guy. Like, that's a slap in the face, you know? So it's really, really hard for a lot of women to establish, I guess, the two, the whether they can be the outgoing person or whether they're the introvert. And that shows when you're in a lineup, right? When you're in a lineup and you're in front of guys, that shows who you are. And guys do pick on that. Men do pick on whether the woman is outgoing or whether she is shy. And it just depends on what that man wants. Sure. Um, so tell me, let's back up a little bit because we dove right into the discussion. That was my bad. Tell me, how did you end up at the Bunny Ranch? And tell me again, like a, tell, describe like what your, what your tenure was like. Well, um, I ended up at the Bunny Ranch because I had met the madam at, a, at my, my prior employment. She had come in um, and we had, got, we, we had been talking and we kind of formed a relationship, a, a, a kind of friendship with each other. And um, so when I had been uh, let go at that job, after two or three years, I went out and applied at the Bunny Ranch and she remembered me and she hired me. So then I started as the door girl, answering the door, doing the lineups with the ladies every time a gentleman would come in, selling the T-shirts and the merchandise that we sell there. Um, then I went to bartending. And then I went into the office and started management. 
And that's where I took care of all the girls, the doctoring, the list, uh, any kind of sheriff registrations that need to go on, any kind of legal work that needed to happen in the office with the girl to get ready to work. That's what I, w- I did for the last probably seven years. I was there in the office. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Was it Madam Suzette that um, hired you? Yes. Wow. That's pretty crazy. It's crazy that I'm a, like a degree away from Madam Suzette. <laughs> Used to be. Yes. Used yeah, to be. It was, yeah. It, it was me, Suzette and Dennis. Right. So that's what it was for the last seven years of my, my employment there at the bunny ranch. Yeah. Well, can you tell me like just trajectory wise, like what, what your time was like? I mean, showing up, like what, did you know what you were getting yourself into? No, not really. I mean, I knew that it was, uh, I knew of course it was a brothel, right? I knew what they did there. Of course everybody does. Right. I mean, if, if you're around the area, I mean, I, I am, I am, you know, from, Reno. So I do know what, how, what it's about. Um, but I just thought it was, you know, I was a single mom. I thought this is my one chance. I got to do something for me and my kids. And it ended up working out with our schedules. So my work was good with the schedules and with my children. Um, and then did I know the extent of the things I would see? No, no, I didn't. I have a whole list of things that Danielle did not need to know in her lifetime by working there. Um, but, uh, was it an education? Yes. Extreme education, business education, etiquette education, um, legal education. Yes. And it was, it, did it, did I, did it cost me nothing? You know, it didn't cost me any monetary value, but I did learn a lot of things from working with Dennis and Suzette, especially Dennis. He was a great educator. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't listen to him because he's the pimp, which Dennis, Dennis was much more than the American pimp, but, um, very, very, uh, trying to work with, he set in his ways, you know, he had his own, he had his own deals. And as long as you could learn them and do the, and do what he needs you to do, you were, you were good to go to work for him. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was skilled at his job. Like we're going to show an interview, um, in one of our final or, or, you know, kind of conclusion episodes, if you will, um, where I kind of wrap up and share my planning to share my final opinions. And, uh, we've got a clip and he was definitely skilled at doing interviews and everything else. You know what I mean? Um, very legit. He was very, very business savvy. And did he have some like crazy ideas? Yes. But I mean, a lot of brilliant people have crazy ideas, right? So he went with his crazy ideas and he had the money to back it and he had the people to back him and he went for it and he lived his life the way he wanted to. And that I can honestly say, um, made me, you know, I was, I was, I want to say, I don't want to say proud to work for him, but I was like, it was something that, again, as I took a very educational stance on as far as business ideas and the way he did business, I really appreciated that education when I worked with him. Yeah. And this may seem unrelated, but I, I was telling my girlfriend, I just thought it was interesting that his, from what I can gather, his brothels were one of the first places where really no matter what 
your preference was, if you will. Um, there was no judgment there. So if you came in and you were gay or if you came in and you were, you know, this or that, or you preferred this thing or that thing, or he, I think he even shared one story where he came in once and some girl had a guy on a chain and she was walking him around the brothel like a dog. And he was just like, I don't, I'm not going to judge. I'm not even going to ask questions. That's just somebody living their life. That's a normal Friday night. <laughs> normal Friday night. Yeah. It was a normal Friday night. The, th yeah. the things that, um, and then, you know, Dennis, before Dennis, no women were allowed in the brothels, right? No women were allowed in the brothels. So Dennis made it. He didn't think that women make up 51% of the universe. Why would I not take their money? If they wanted to come and enjoy themselves with my beautiful ladies, please do so. He's not, he's never, he would never, ever discriminate. And there's plenty of people that appreciated that. We had cross dressers would come in. We would have people having, you know, that had their, 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 uh, sex change that they would come in. Everybody, everybody was welcome. No one was not welcome. And that included the girls like that included who he hired. He didn't, he didn't have a, you know, if this is what you went for, good for you. Be you. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the, what are some of the fucking crazy things you had seen? I mean, you, you alluded to the fact you had a list of things that you should know or something like that. What are some of the crazy things you've so seen? I did not need to know working there. I mean, um, just, and it's things that you, you don't, you don't mean to get in the middle of, but you do because you're working the office and you know, you're the one in charge. And so there's just so many things like, uh, certain parties that we had got really crazy. Um, you know, just, I, a lot of people that you, uh, that, you know, how people change once they drink alcohol and they just get crazier and crazier. Um, there's a few times that some parties happened that uh i didn't understand the i mean i do understand it but i don't understand what their preferences were but that's not my business um but uh like sounding is one thing i don't understand um rusty trombones one thing i don't understand uh yeah there's a, like a, like a whole list of things that i i and i mean i'm not young and i'm i mean i'm middle aged so for me and i and i'm not a girl scout by all means because i've i've had my own you know but certain things i just didn't need to know just just things you you just you could go through whole your whole life not knowing what that meant you know so um there's just quite a few i could probably write probably write a good book about the parties that we had, what I seen or what, what I assisted with, which in all fairness, they paid for. So I wasn't. So uh, you assisted with things. You weren't a sex worker, but you assisted with things. Like bringing things to the room that they needed. They would call the office and ask for certain things and I would have to go get them and bring them into them and stuff like that. So assisting with, the we need more that, like, lube. We need this sex toy, that sex toy. You gotta go. La, la, la. You know, it just depends on what craziness was happening in the party, right? So that that's things that I did help with it. But you walk into situations at that point, right? You walk into things that you're like, this is not happening right now. And it is happening, like right in front of you. And you're just like, I don't know if I can sleep after this. So it it is like I said, an education. It was an education for me, but also one, I mean probably still have nightmares about some of them and it's just because it's not that i'm not open-minded it's just something i would not choose in my personal life 
So the fact that it just makes you wonder what happened to these people in their lifetime that made them go this way. You know, I mean, there's a lot of fetishes, right? So yeah. there's several t- where gentlemen would come in and just want panties off a girl that's been working out and they pay for those. <laughs> there's gentlemen that just come in and want the girl that just worked out to stick their foot down their mouth while they took care of themselves. And they paid good money for this. I'm not joking, like good money. And you're just like, it was a 35 minute party and he's all happy when he leaves. And I'm just like embarrassed for him. And I don't even know what to do, you know, beside myself. But again, adults being adults, choosing what they're choosing, paying for what they want, coming to terms with the girls. The girls are master negotiators, right? That was one thing Dennis Hoff was, was just above everyone else. He was just the best negotiator. Did I lose did, uh, have, it did get him a long way in life, you know, and they should have, they, some of them should have listened because they would have gotten more money out of situations, but they didn't. But again, it's all about the negotiations that the style that the girls have. And, uh, I appreciated, actually appreciated the time of learning different, so I'm a people watcher. So, so learning different styles of people and how they, how they work, right. That that's my deal. So I, I really appreciate that time that I had there learning the different styles of people not to say I don't carry it out to today's world where I'm in the regular world and I'm looking at people saying, oh, you're like this, you're like that. Oh, might be a little judgy now, but that's just, you know, years and years working at the brothel has brought me full circle of what I see in the world. Yeah. Even, even politicians, you know, even like I, I, I've met a lot of people working there. So I've, uh, there's a lot of people that I, that I absolutely loved and some people I didn't care for at all. And so just watching them in the world evolve today is, is kind of odd for me, but it's, it's something I take, like, that was great, great for me to learn that young. So. Yeah. Are there like some big politicians that, I mean, you just said seeing people evolve today, are there like big politicians in the, this, like that you've seen there? Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not only there, but I've, uh, you know, the girls go to see things like that. You know, when they're in town, they're visiting, doing their whatever. They come to visit the girls and Dennis would go out to dinner with them. It wasn't anything that was hidden or not publicized. It was all publicized. So it wasn't anything big, but I was the person behind the scenes making that happen. So that was, you know, just a different, different side for me to see. Yeah. You know, another person that I spoke to, uh, Torin has said is that there's just like plenty of drugs, uh, in the brothels and that, you know, kind of a lot of fucked up situations with that. Have you heard or experienced anything with that? So my deal was to keep it legal, right? Because it was my, my work. It was, it was my lifeline for my children and I to survive. So I was kind of like, even though I'm not this person in my personal life, I had to be the asshole in that life and make sure that there was no drugs. If there was drugs, I had to take those drugs. I had to give them to Dennis and Suzette. I, I was that person. So, um, it, unfortunately, um, it, it kind of goes with it. It kind of goes with the whole thing. Right. And if, and if the girl doesn't bring it in, the guy that's coming in is bringing it in. So it's just like, cause everybody wants a good time. 
And so they all think good times revolve around drugs and alcohol and sex because that's what that world is about. But um, have I, have I, the things that I've dealt with is mostly like not ODs or anything like that, but mostly like the girls not taking their um, seizure medication because they party too hard the night before, forgot to take that kind of thing, that kind of medical emergency kind of thing. Not like ODs. I've never really dealt with an OD. I've never, not really, not, not like that. I mean, I've dealt with obviously marijuana use. I'm sure there's cocaine use, definitely meth use, but not out in the open to where I would crack down on it. I could see a person that say, yeah, you're doing dope, but I, I don't have any proof. So I can't. And I, and I, I did have, I did have the right to go in and search their rooms and their bags because that's, that's the rules. But, you know, I would try to take the high road on that. Not, not, not get too personal that way because it just wasn't my deal. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You know, I am who I am. So, uh, but they, they're, if, if it's not the girls bringing it in, it's the guys bringing it in. And if it's not the guys bringing it in, it's the girls pimp on the outside, bringing it to them so they can sell it to the customers. I mean, it's a revolving, it's a revolving door. Yeah. And that's another so, thing I was going to ask about are, is that pretty common, you know, like the external pimp? Mm-hmm. So what it is too, you know, with the girls is that they pay 50% to the house of anything they do make. Right. So the girls, unfortunately that come in with the pimps, this isn't the pimps first go around. It's not, it's going to be their third or fourth or fifth or sixth or 10th chick that they have. Right. So, but it's the, probably maybe the only one that hasn't been arrested. Cause you can't get arrested and get a license for, for being a prostitute. So, and then they would get the other 50%. So the girls working for free. That's crazy. I mean, how do, is that like, do you think that brothels could then be considered maybe hubs for human trafficking? Oh, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that. Um, and unfortunately in this area, in our area, Reno is one of the highest areas for human trafficking, sex workers. Um, I, I had had concerns and of course brought them to Dennis and Suzette and, uh, about certain girls and they did work it out or the girls left. What kind of concerns would you have? I would see things, you know, like maybe, just the way a person would act or shy or not be like giving the correct information or the information that I would think was right for the questions I was asking. They were trying to cover something up is what I would feel. So I would go to them and tell them my doubts or my fears of what the situation is. And then they would either the girl, they would either talk to the girl, pull the girl in, talk to her, find out what's going on. And I mean, some of the girls didn't end up leaving. So I'm sure that was really the case on some of them, you know, that, that it did happen. I didn't, we didn't go any further because the police would have to get involved. Dennis and Suzette would have got the police involved, especially if it was someone that was kidnapped or they had a different identity because everything's checked out legally. Right. So you have to fingerprints, everything is done. So you, you, you have to check out 100% to work there. And if something's funky, they're not going to, it's not going to happen. They're not going to cover it up for you. They're not going to lose their multi-million dollar business for that. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, it's pretty insane. And 
I want to get back to not losing the multi-million dollar business and just kind of how they've got it structured and everything else. But one thing I've been asking almost everybody that I interview, do you agree that a provision that would make the sex industry possibly safer is testing the customer as well? You know, because no. um, condoms are not 100%. You know what? The thing about being a prostitute is, you know, the risks you're taking whether that condom breaks or whether that condom works. And a lot of these ladies, of course, at the brothels have to wear condoms. They have to have condoms, right? But if you look at the ladies on the street, they don't wear the condoms, right? They don't. Most of them don't, especially out here. They don't wear condoms. They just go from customer to customer. Um, Having a customer tested is not going to be, first of all, wanted by the customer, He's not going to want to do that. He's in there for a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. See you later. He's not in it for the long haul. So I think that uh, testing the customers would not be, it would not even be feasible. Just takes too long. Um, I get it. I would get a test back in 24 hours for chlamydia. Gonorrhea would take a few more days. Um, Then the blood test would take about, you know, four days for the blood test to come back, whether you had any other diseases. Damn. That would. Yeah. That's a, that's a long lead time. You'd think that there'd be some way to like revolutionize that, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's are actually flowing out of state to be tested and and weekly. And then there, and then it's not like our local lab core does it or anything like that. It's flowing actually, I believe to Arizona still. And hmm. Arizona does the testing and then we get the results. Interesting. That's weird. It is, it is <laughs> weird. I think it's just where the, the medical facility has their testing done. So. Yeah. So if a girl like pops positive, in other words, she has a sexually transmitted disease that she's sent home and can she ever work again? It's just when she tests negative or something. So usually, usually at that point, the girl doesn't have money to go home. So she would actually have to leave. She would have to leave the ranch legally, be treated by a doctor and seen seven days later and retested. So whether she stays in a hotel room at a friend's house at another girl's house, whatever, she legally cannot be on in brothel property being Mm -hmm. tested positive, sexually transmitted disease. Gotcha. She has to test positive before she can ever return. Just test or negative. Test negative. Negative. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Test negative before she can return. And then she'll be trained. Uh, her shift will be given to her, uh, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So with regard to like, yeah, keeping the, the, the multi-million dollar business or whatever it is, um, some people have described the business and it's funny, I'm reading an old book called brothel wars which i didn't even realize it when i checked it out but it's so far it's detailing the life of walter plankinton the guy that owned the chicken ranch so it's interesting to read about this but he threw together a bunch of trailers basically outside of pahrump um i've been told uh by you know multiple accounts i think an account was even included in dennis's own book um where somebody described the bunny ranch as just an assortment of trailers at the end of a dusty trail um, that are falling apart and so on and so forth that smell. Is that accurate? Is that an accurate description? 
Um, well, considering the law is you cannot demolish the property, you cannot start over. You have to buy an elite, uh, um, a brothel license, license that's existing and the buildings are as is. So you can add on. So yes, they are trailers added on and redone inside and out. Interesting. Hmm. So they can, can like, you, you can, gotcha. So, but you can add on as much as you want though. As long as you get permits, right? The building permits, but you cannot knock down the existing building. It's illegal. They're like, um, like, especially at the bunny ranch, right? It's, it's a monument. It's, it's, it's in history. So it's a historical, a historical landmark. You cannot knock it down. Yeah. A semi ran into it though. And almost not. Were you there? I was. I handled. Yes, that was that was my deal. I had to deal with all of that. I plows into the Bunny Ranch brothel near Carson City. Deputies say it was an intentional crash, and the man on your screen is facing a couple charges, including assault with a deadly weapon. You can see that semi just going right through the fence, destroying the place. Owner Dennis Hoff says five employees, thirty prostitutes, and ten customers were there at the time. Like like a bomb went off in here, just like crazy. Like everything was all shaking. Well, the man who was arrested was already wanted for another crime. And while there is no word tonight on his motive for allegedly crashing into that brothel, owner Dennis Hoff has a theory. My guess is that he knew it'd be worldwide news if he ran his truck into, into a brothel with 35 hot girls in it that's world famous. Well, damage is estimated at almost a half a million dollars. Oh, shit. Was that crazy? Yeah. Were you like in the fucking place when the semi hit? No, I was not, but I was there by 4 a.m. because the nighttime shift manager was freaking out. So I had to go in. I have so many pictures of inside and out and just the whole day was chaos. And the weeks afterwards, because of all the structural damage and everything that happened, like we started to clean up that, but it was the police had to come and it was just a huge mess. That's fucking crazy. That's amazing that you were involved with that. Um, wow. So the joke I was going to make is what if he would have demolished it? But seriously, what if somebody demolished the main base? Are you basically fucked? Yeah, it hurt the structure and we had to put it back to where it was to rebuild. So I can actually take you into the bunny ranch and show you where it didn't come together correctly. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. So you walk in and it, you just you just feel like you're in a trailer? No. When you walk in, uh, Dennis, you know, he made it so you feel it's a grand entrance, right? You walk in and it's all black marble floor and a beautiful chandeliers on the ceiling and uh, very expensive looking, very nice. Um, I think they've redone it since the pandemic, though, also to make it more of a little boutique inside. Suzette put her little touch on it after Dennis passed. So from what I understand, it's been restructured inside there a little bit, but still you have the front entryway where the girls line up. And then you have where the parlor area where you sit and then the bar and then the office and the rooms. Gotcha. And so I was told that the the buttons that they press that they call panic buttons don't actually even call the police. Is that true? Like, that is correct. There's no police that doesn't go to the police that goes to the front office and we respond, which I have responded to several of those. So you respond. Um, 
which you I could beat the shit out of me. Like you could beat the shit out of me, but like, no, you could, you could, <laughs> but, well, uh, like no doubt about it. That's very heated at that point. So it's best to be maybe with a stun gun or mace is the best what to do to get you out of those situations. So you come with that? Yeah. Wow. Damn. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys okay. are drinking. It dies. They get, you know, something happens. A girl says something wrong to him and it's, it's on. Like there's just, it's just what it is, right? It's, it's like working in a bar. It's just, it's on. So there's nothing you can do and you have to react. Yeah. It would time, seem, sorry. I was just gonna say, it would seem that you wouldn't want alcohol in the bar. And Dennis always talked about how no drugs were involved. No drugs were involved, but I'm like, dude, you got a bar in there, <laughs> you know? And I mean, the bar, he did price it pricey. Don't get me wrong. But if you're coming to have a good time, you know, like when I go out to have a good time, I don't care if I spend two, $300 at dinner, I'm going to have a good time. But I mean, two or $300 at the brothel is not going to get you even a blow job. So it doesn't matter. It might get you a hand job and that's it. Like there's no sexual, there's no contact for three or $400 at the brothel. Starting uh, price usually is, you know, around 500 for a blow job not even the intercourse. There's no intercourse in included with that. Or the girl gives you a strip show, something like that, something simple. So the gentleman at that point, if there's something going wrong in the room, he's upset. And you have to diffuse the situation, you know? Yeah. And I mean, they have to go for that high price because if they're taking 50% and they want to be able to pay for room and board and stuff, I say high price, like I don't even, I don't mean to quantify it, but $500, if you think about it for folks that are listening, that's, that would technically be coming home with 250, but minus Not room and they, board, right? Yeah. And, and what? Your, the doctors. So the doctors weekly, when I worked there weekly was 150 bucks. Then monthly, because they had to have blood drawn, it was like 270. So then it goes up from there, right? Because then you have to, when I quit working there to get my, I had to have a sheriff's card in Lyon County to work there as the manager. It was $100 a year. And I had one at each brothel that Dennis owned. And that would come out of my pay. So you just had like, to have a sheriff's card to, to just correct. work there. Interesting. Fingerprint every year. What did it say on yours? Manager. Oh, it didn't say like boss bitch or something like that. No. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, my nickname was the handler. Oh, why is that? Because I handled all the situations that came up. Yeah. What were some of the crazier situations? We did. We mentioned the semi. What are some crazy situations that have come up that you've handled? Uh, well, it would be mostly about probably guys who like to, um, a lot more than one time. I will say this, a guy has dosed a girl, GHB. What's so, GHB? Sorry. Like, uh, the date, date rape drug. And, uh, my job was to make sure that when, the girl came in to party that she was, you know, okay. Like if they booked the party, they paid, they paid me in the office and they were okay. If I, as soon as say the girl put 20 minutes on the clock and I called into the room to say time to reparty, the girl didn't respond to me. I would wait another five minutes, call into the room time to reparty. And she didn't respond to me. I would go in 
And things, sometimes it wasn't the best deal. Sometimes it was not a good deal. And um, it was, um, for me, it was sad because I'm a mom. So I would think of it as my child. And um, I would have to get the guy out of there, get the police, whatever I had to do to take care of that situation, I would take care of it. So that was the handler. I also booked all girls' flights. I booked Dennis's flights. I booked Suzette's outings. I booked, you know, the cars. I kept the schedules of all the drivers. I handled everything. So I was the handler. Wow. Girls jail. They were out and they went to jail when they weren't at the bunny ranch. We got them out of jail, that kind of thing. Like just Dennis took care of the girls. Even if they weren't working at the time, he still took care of them. If they got in trouble, he still would help them. So things like that, just all around handled everything. Yeah. And so when you, I mean, it sounds like you literally, was it like several, do you have several rapes that you stopped? I mean, that's, I don't, uh, I wouldn't say, well, in my time, I mean, I would say that I would say more than my fair share that I would have liked to have dealt with and angry men, um, you know, abusing the girls just, you know, sometimes things go bad, right. Especially when there's alcohol involved and things get messy and there's yeah. a few times I definitely escorted people off the property and then called the police or got him out the front door. Dennis, I have a fantastic story about one time Dennis helped me. And, um, I, I laugh about it today, but it scared the crap out of me during that day. Right. I was scared. Like, it was like, I can't believe this happened. And, um, but Dennis was, he's, he was funny in his old way that he would, he'd come in the mornings to have breakfast in the kitchen cereal with bananas and stuff, you know? And so he would come in to sit down and watch the news in the kitchen and one morning we had uh, an early morning uh, party and something went, didn't, didn't happen right. I don't know if it was because the girl was up all night drinking because I was fresh on shift or whatever, but the guy absolutely was just taking advantage of the girl. And I, and I went and I, and I went into Dennis and I'm like, Dennis, this is something's wrong. Something's wrong. And so him and I went down to the room together and he literally picked the guy up naked off the girl and threw him out into the hallway and took all of his clothes and threw him over the fence and told him to get out. And I, I mean, he was laughing. Like he thought this was fun, you know, and I did not think it was fun, but you know, he was doing his cowboy act. So he was having a good time, but he, he rescued her and that's what he's there for. Right. And he, and he, he gave me a high five. himself. this is how we do it. You know? And I'm like, no, Dennis, no, no, I don't want to do this. Like, I, you know, this is not cool to me, you know? So, but yeah, but that, I mean, now that now like, that was funny, no harm came to anybody, you know, that day because we stopped things in time, but for him, it was like, yeah, I'm a cowboy. You know, it was just, it was funny. He was wearing his cowboy boots, his silk pajama shirt and a cowboy hat. And I would just, I will always have that picture in my mind of him. And it just makes me, and he was just so happy that he got to do it. You know, he was just so happy that he got to protect. And I don't know, it was, it was funny. It was kind of, it was, it was, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I wish I would have been, I've been, I've said this a few times now. I wish I would have been doing this project while he was still living. Cause I already know he would have come on the show, you know, uh, cause oh, he was yeah. that type of person. Mm -hmm. That's what he loved to do. He loved to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, we've talked about a lot of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, mm -hmm. it's the weed. Um, we've talked about a lot yeah. of different things. 
Um, I think, you know, uh, it's a crazy line of work. Um, are there any other instances, you know, part of what I'm talking about, like I said, I would like, I do not believe that we can legislate morality, but I want to also acknowledge that maybe the way that Nevada does it, which, you know, they're the only state in the United States that's doing this, um, at least legally, you know, I know New York, I believe just decriminalized it, but that's not legalizing it. So, um, if, if we're going to do this anywhere else, if we're going to copy and paste what's going on in Nevada, so let's say Illinois, um, you know, what, what would we change? And so, um, you know, a few things we've already talked about is, uh, lockdown brothels. Definitely. I think that's worth like <laughs> disbanding altogether. It's crazy. I actually learned that I didn't know this in earlier episodes. I, I have gotten the impression that some brothels do it because they feel that it's a liability to let the girls leave or whatever, because then they could do stuff on the side and then their tests wouldn't be valid or whatever. Um, but I actually found out that some do it because it's the County regulation, like to Correct. be locked down. And I was like, that's fucking South. crazy. Correct. And when Dennis bought the brothels down South, uh, one of the things that we thought was uh, really, and then between Dennis and Suzette, talking about this, we just thought that was really just outlandish was the fact that they had uh, put siding on all over the windows on the brothels that Dennis had bought. So there was no windows to look out. The girls couldn't leave because Nye County will not allow them to go out. You know, they'd have to be retested before they came back in. If they were gone for four hours out of the house and that kind of thing. And then when Dennis bought the brothels down South from Joe, Joe had had all of the windows buttoned up by the siding on the outside of the brothels. So that was one of the first things Dennis removed because there's just no way that that should happen. Like if you're going to have windows, you need windows. Like, you know, you got to have it open and he couldn't do anything. He did try to change the laws down there as far as that goes, but he couldn't change the laws down there. So, um, that was part of the reason why he was running for, you know, he was running for the politician side because he wanted to change things in Nevada, but it just wasn't going to work out. Uh, they'd been set in stone for so long, but yeah, the counties actually do not, some of the counties do not allow it. And of course that they don't allow outdates, but Lyon County allows outdates. So that's, you know, that's where we're coming from with that. But Nye County would not allow outdates. So you couldn't go out on a date with your customer to the casinos or to a show or dinner, anything down there. You can't do that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So, so lockdown brothels, uh, food, that's something we haven't talked about yet. Tell us about the food. So the food at, at the bunny ranch was kept, uh, we had steam tables and we had a cold table. So the steam table is what his restaurant would bring in every night and every morning for breakfast. He had NB 50 across the highway, a highway 50 and the kitchen was, purely there to feed the brothels. So all the ones down on Kit Kat Lane and the ones on the one on Bunny Ranch Boulevard, he would have the guys cooking over there. They'd bring them all in steam trays. They'd put them in the steam table. They're very bland. There was no flavor. There was no spices. Dennis tried to keep it with everybody's diet. 
Um, there was always a 24 hour salad bar. The salad bar, we would, as employees, we would have to refresh every, every shift or as something ran out. And we would have backup for that underneath the salad bar for the, the lettuces, the spinaches, whatever the girls wanted that they requested for salad bar, Dennis would have for them there. And we would just refill it as we went. Um, that wasn't that bad. The steam table was extremely just blah. Uh, but when I worked there, every Sunday that I worked, the girls got a home-cooked meal because I would literally stop and get the food myself and bring it in and cook it for them. So they felt a little bit better about being where they were if they were having a hard time. That's also, awesome. I mean, you know, you have guests and uh, when a taxi driver would come, they would sit back in the, they would bring clients in. They would sit back in the kitchen and have sandwiches or dinner or whatever they would get. Um, guests, so many guests, Ron, Jeremy. Um, yeah, I could just go down the line of how many guests have eaten there and just, um, uh, then you get, then you get worried about, you know, what's touching what, right? Because you don't, you don't know where their hands have been last time they washed their hands. So that's where you can get a little concerned about what might be left behind. Yeah. Why so, would you be concerned about Ron Jeremy's hands? Yeah. Why would you? <laughs> because he's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. Did you see any of that? I definitely heard about some really crazy shit with him. Yeah, I've seen plenty from Ron Jeremy that uh, absolutely set me sick a few times. So he uh, definitely just had uh, had his way too long in the world, I think. He's definitely where he needs to be, in my opinion. Yeah. And he should have been there. Um, I've heard, you know, some really crazy shit. Like Ron was physical with the women. Um, I heard that the Lakers owner, which was a friend of Dennis's beat the shit out of a woman. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff goes on that isn't publicized. That's been kept out of the media that, um, they handled internally if you want to say it that way. Uh, but then there's also been times where girls have gone to the cops and told them, you know, and it is on record. So I always was honest about everything when they would come to question me. I mean, I got really lucky. A lot of the times it wasn't my shift. So I wasn't even on the property. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I got super in my book, I got lucky because I, the less I know, the better off I am. Uh, so I really thought that, uh, I got, I lucked out on quite a few of them because I worked the day shift. Right. So the day shift was way different than the night shift. And, um, I think that there's a lot of stories that unfortunately unfolded at night. I mean, you know, we've had a few rappers come in and treat the girls bad, 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 bad. Um, and of course, if you're, if you're a musician, which Dennis had a lot of friends, um, you were protected in a way. Still wasn't given an excuse to do it. It's not okay, but it was handled in a different way. I can say that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if I'm trying to think of what I've heard with regard to that. I feel like I've heard because you said rap stars. I feel like Riff Raff is a rapper that I heard that there were issues with. Bad scene. 
What's that? That was a bad scene. I was working that party. What what happened? Just he got physical with the girl because he thought, you know, he's riffraff. So he he's riffraff. So that's it. And he could do what he wants. And you're you're just a hooker. So you got nothing on me. And that's his personality. That's just who he is. But the girl also had a big personality, right? So it clashed and it just turned out bad. And he did get physical with her and she did press charges. So that was, that was, I didn't see the, I mean, they were in the room when they got physical with each other. So it wasn't like I was right there in front of them, but I was working that, I was working that night to where I came in after the fact. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, um, you mentioned, uh, Dennis got the brothels from Joe. Is it Joe Conforte or is that somebody else? No, it was Joe. I don't remember Joe's last name. He's a super old guy down there that owned all the brothels uh, down in Pahrump and down in Amargosa Valley down there in ba- by Vegas. I don't remember what his last name was. Something real simple, though, but it wasn't Joe Conforti. It was someone else. It was another gentleman who might have bought them from Joe Conforti, though. <laughs> I'm not because this guy was old, old guy. So, um, I don't even know if he's around anymore, but I mean, you know, um, that was, that was an interesting time to buy all those brothels down there and then to redo them. A lot of construction, Dennis really did put a lot of heart and soul into redoing them, making them better. Yeah. So I want to get back to a question that, that, uh, we, I feel like stepped away from a, a bit, um, just again, yeah. What what do you think should change before we would do a copy and paste? I mean, you you've been in Reno your entire life, so it's kind of would I would you would it be accurate to say it's kind of normal for you <laughs> that these things are around? You know, all my life, right? All my life, it's always been a red light district. So uh, with and then uh, not knowing the world, you know, that we're not the only ones, right. In other countries, it's legal. Uh, the things that I think I would change is definitely the way the house works, not so much the laws around it, but I, you know, like I said, the positive is the medical, um, but maybe the way that the house works in the way of the fees and the cost and the making money hand over hand, um, I do believe that if a guy is going to go to the brothel, he's looking for a good experience, but not every guy has the money. And so there might be other things that are offered different. Um, and of course that the condom wear is something that is, that it needs to stay in place for everybody. So I would think yeah. that that would be probably just, I would think the way that, that the, the fees, the money, maybe the way that was handled should be maybe a little different than what's going on out there. But, you know, that was the norm for them. Yeah. What do you think should be different? I mean, like, for example, I've heard like people say like, you know, people like Air Force Amy who have been doing it for literally years, but she can, and she probably, I don't know, but she probably charges like outrageous fees because it's like a novelty at this point to fuck Air Force Amy. And so um, but the fact that she probably, I mean, she definitely still gives half, right? So it's like, at what oh. point, you know, do you get a fucking break? <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't. She did. She would never get a break as long as she's there. No one will ever get a break while they're there. It's always going to be half and it's always going to be these fees and it's always going to add up. And I, I mean, with Air Force, she has returned customers. 
She has people that want to see her on a regular basis that pay good money. You know, that's why she drives the Mercedes and she, you know, she lives off a golf course. You know what I mean? Like this, she, she has that, that rapport with her clients. Um, and that's one reason why they keep her around, right? Because she can bring in the money, but she's never going to get a break. As long as she's there, no one will ever get a break. It's a doggy dog world at the brothel. It really is. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, like, again, you say we should change the house dynamic and stuff. Like what's the answer, you know? I just think that a different flow, I mean, the flow that they have, uh, when I was there, which was, you know, 2018 was my last year there. So, uh, when I was there, um, it was like really, really stressful for the girls coming in and really like overwhelming. And there was no coddle. There was no like, you know, comforting. There was nothing like that there. And it's very cold business. So I think that maybe making it a little bit warmer atmosphere and not so trying to come in. And I know that you're a prostitute and I know that it, that it's, that it's a brothel, but maybe play down the judging a little bit and not be right in your face with the, uh, the bullying. Cause there's a lot of bullying, um, and a lot of, uh, mean comments and a lot of body shaming going on from management. So I would think to make it more of a round, there has to be some kindness involved. I understand their processes. I understand it's a brothel, but there's also kindness. And that's where I got mixed emotions when I worked there is because I'm, I'm a, I'm a kind person by, by, by my soul. I'm not, I'm not a mean, hateful person. Yeah. And what do you... it was just, it was, it was, a lot of bullying, a lot of meanness, a lot of body shaming. Um, I've heard of other managers uh, going in and cutting girls' hair because they don't like the way they look. First of all, you should never be able to touch another person like that. That's not okay. That kind of thing was con- it was condoned. And I don't think that that should be that way. You're already in a tough business. You're already giving your body. You're already trying to make this money because of some reason. There's a reason why you're there. Kindness would be, I think, one of the main things that would make it go around better, I think, would be better for the girls coming in. Maybe they would give more if they didn't feel so bad. Yeah, well, that's very well said, you know, and, and something that I I feel like that sentiment was even shared by some of the working girls that, that I spoke with, you know, um, you know, the way they kind of phrased it was like, because we were talking about the power differential between the brothel owner and the sex worker and how it seems like the sex industry is set up to protect the, um, the brothel owner and the customer more than it is the sex worker. And that's why I asked the question about, um, you know, sexually transmitted. Do you think that the men should be um, tested because again, in that way, I think that the sex industry is like you, you I mean, you kind of even said it, you're like, look, they're in sex. So they're engaging in that risk, They are, you know? And I don't know. I just feel like I get what you're saying though, as far as being realistic, like well, most of them also, are coming there and, you know, you have to look at the topography of the men coming in, right? You have to think of where they're coming from. They could have never have had sex before in their life with another person. 
which is actually a large number of men coming in there. Um, so to have that first and then you have to be tested, they're not ever going to follow through because they're already freaking out about coming in. Sure. Sure. I mean, I mean, um, there is that are very well versed in sex, but then again, yeah. there's the condom. So, right. And so, but I guess what, uh, what some of the, you know, the perspectives from the people that are currently in the in- industry or formerly was like, you know, maybe a brothel that is owned and ran by the working girls themselves uh, themselves but it just seems like the county regulations are set up so that you have to be very capitalized in order to and by that I mean for for our listeners like you gotta have a bunch of money um, for the yearly fees excuse me the taxes um, and, and everything else so Sure. And the insurances and everything, because you have to carry all of that on it to be open. Insurance. Insurance. Oh yeah. Yeah. You had to have, you have to have full insurance when, when, um, like a brothel owner, he has to have insurance on everything. So Mm. Dennis would probably spend at least a hundred thousand, uh, probably every three months for each brothel that he owned for fees. And that would include, brothel license, liquor license, everything, insurances, um, state coming in, they have to check you. If you have a bar, they have to give you an A to pass the health, health, you know, department. There's a lot going into owning a brothel. Then you have the state side. The state side has to come in and they have to approve everything. And they have to okay all of those licenses, right? And you have to pay for that as an owner. Are they actually making that much money where they can pay for that? Or is, is, does that explain for the, the deteriorating effects that people report at the brothels? Explain deterioration because the, the, as it like, so when I started in 2007, completely different than when I left in 2018, as far as what was coming in the door, right? As far as the money. As far as the parties, the amount of the parties, as far as the bar bill, when I first started and I was bartender, I'd have a thousand dollar bar bar a night. When I left, it was less than two hundred a night. So the bar's not making money. You know, there I, there's a decline because people just don't see the reason why they should go out there and spend that money. There's just no reason for it when what you do can you just mean go by down. That? There's no reason to go out and you have the brothel experience if you can't afford it because it's not going to be a cheap experience. It's not going to be a cheap night. So what do people do? They just go hit up the street. I mean, there's plenty of girls, only fans. There's all kinds of stuff to do nowadays. that You don't have to hit the brothel up. They go to other countries. I know people that go to other countries and get it cheaper, even with their flight in their room. Interesting. You know, it's funny. I ask, what do they do? Uh, I could hear like my mom or dad in, in my head, in my head saying they get a fucking girlfriend or something like that. But, uh, but the reason I asked that is some people actually, one of the sex workers explained that some people have figured <laughs> the way that they do the math. They're like courting a girl, getting them to go out on a date and what it costs to drive to that date, get them to that date pay for that day all on the hopes that they may have sex with them versus just paying for a girl to have sex with them. They know like they are going to spend that money and that they will definitely have sex with them. 
you know? Okay, sure. The girl will definitely have sex with them, but nine times out of 10, that guy can't get it up. So, <laughs> and poof. That's funny. Is it just that way. Once a guy is under that much pressure, he just cannot perform. Sure. And that's why there's no, there's no men's men brothels because of that. Because a guy can't perform on a dime. A, a lady can't. So that's interesting. Yeah. I've been wondering this whole time. It's funny. It's been right in front of me this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I've been wondering why the the male brothels weren't a thing. I've been asking some it, of the sex workers it, that. It is because of that. Because trust me, I would have went there at that time. Like I would have totally invested myself in a male brothel and ran that male brothel because I do believe that pimping out men is way better than pimping out women, but I am a woman. So, you know, where, where, what do I know? But, uh, Dennis made it very clear to me. Men cannot perform on a dime. Women can. Right. So he's right. He was right. He knew that. And he was right. And yeah, Mark, you're right. He did try it, right? He did try over at the Kit Kat, he did bring some men in and he did try it. He did get that license and he did get that approved by the county, but it didn't work out. So First the guys time. just, were you around when that happened? Yeah, I was working there when that happened. Absolutely. Yep. I was running the Bunny Ranch when they opened the Kit Kat with men. There were two men, one straight, one gay. So the business just wasn't good with them. They They were... They couldn't, the thing about women wanting the sex act and men wanting the sex act are two different things. Women want the experience. They want the whole boudoir, the man seducing the whole act, right? Men just want wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'm out. So there's different, there's a different appeal. It takes much longer for a man to be able to woo a woman than a woman to woo a man. So it's just that it was that, it was exactly that. So the, the straight guy, that was working, you know, he would uh, charge, you know, a lot of money, but then, uh, and, and we could have worked it out to where we had all kinds of women flying in to be with him, but he couldn't woo. He couldn't entice the women to spend the money. Um, and the gay man that was working there, he, you know, um, really it's such a small little area that there wasn't a really a, an attraction for that in that small little area, you know? So it was, it, it was, it was, it was, it was futile, but it was like a fun little adventure to see how it really would pan out. And Dennis proved to me that, you know, it, it, it's not going to work out either way. So <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Well, um, one of the last few questions that I have to ask you that I've just been asking people that are close to Dennis, cause like, I just felt like it was like crazy timing that, that, like his passing, uh, you know, people might say it's untimely, but I have seen theories on the internet that, that obviously, you know, whether or not they're true is, is one thing, but, uh, they say that it wasn't a coincidence that he died. Have you heard anything like that? Um, I've heard some things like that. I also know how sick Dennis was, right? Cause I was there. I got his medication. I gave it to him. I, I cleaned up after Dennis. I know very personal things about Dennis that other people don't know, not even the girls. And I do know he was not a very healthy man and he burned the candle at both ends and he was going full force and that's who he, he was going to be. That's just who he was. So I think he just wore himself out. And I think that, you know, he lost quite a few people uh, and animals in his life that he was very close to. And I'm not sure that he had the will to go any further than what he did. The fact that he made it to the age he made it at was a miracle. 
He was not a healthy man. He just wasn't. And it was getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I heard that he had like diabetes and I mean, frankly, he looked really skinny towards the end of his life. We had uh, one of the hell's kitchen chefs on that cooked for him the, the last day that Robert. he was alive. What's that? Robert. Uh, no, Heather. Heather. Yep. Yeah. But she talked about, uh, I think Robert and there was another one maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. she said she was friends with Zach. Um, which that's a, you know, yeah, she, she had claimed that Zach, uh, on, on the show that we had that, that Zach had aired like concerns about Dennis's passing. And when I Google Zach's name, one of the, one of the results that comes up is, uh, Dasha killed Dennis says Zach Hames. Um, and then of course I found that out that Zach died. Um, Yes, he, he did, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. What, what were you going to say, though? Sorry, before I said that. Well, you know, Dennis, he, he had been sick for years. It wasn't it wasn't anything new. It was getting bad. Like I told you, when I left in 2018, it was it was it was bad. It was, the diabetes had gotten the best of him. I'm going to tell you that right now. And, um, and then, of course, with the partying and the food and um, the sex and the Viagra and everything rolled into one. It, it, it was a disaster. It was a recipe for disaster. There's just no way around it. And I'm surprised he hung on for as long as he did. I'm not going to lie to you because the things that I, I have seen and um, dealt with working for Dennis Hoff, uh, you think of uh, just no one should have ever seen it. It just, it's not healthy and I will never say what exactly had happened, but, um, my heart did go out to him and that's where my kindness kicked in. And I was kind of like, that's what kind of made me obsolete there because I was just not the person to be that cold hearted. So gotcha. it was an interesting. Yeah. So you're saying something you, you had seen something happen that, that you're not willing to to speak about like more than one. Yeah. It's, um, and it's not nothing that's not known in the world, but it's just something that I don't want to disrespect so his. Yeah. I'm not trying to push it or anything, but is it just like normal with people with diabetes that just don't like don't, take care of themselves or. I so. You don't think I, so? I think, I think he was pushing himself, uh, very hard and he wanted to be that young guy again. Um, and I think that upping the medication wasn't helping anything. And I think that playing with his heart, the way he did the things that he did, I don't think was very conducive to living much longer than he did really don't. Gotcha. So you don't, yeah, you're, you're not thinking there was any foul play involved with his passing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Play, right. Because, um, do I think that she meant to harm him? Not intentionally. I really don't think it was intentional. I think that, um, it happened and there was no going back. Uh, but do I think it was intentional on her part? I really don't think that. I think they were just having a good time what? and with their partying. Like she was there with him. They were partying. They were doing things. 
And from what I understand, he just, his heart gave out. Right. So it was just too much at one time, too much excitement for the last time. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, but I don't mean to like make you explain things for another working girl, but why didn't she just say that? You know, like she like definitely told a different story, you know, and of course she's going to try to make herself look different. Right. I mean, either as the hero or the villain, either way, you're going to get your 15 minutes of fame. Well, no, I was going to say that she, yeah, she said she was claiming she was been made out to a villain that all the girls were being real mean to her. Um, oh, I and saying that. like, oh, you killed Dennis, you killed Dennis. But then others have said like it was suspicious. Like she she definitely didn't tell the accurate or, or like what you just talked about. And then she like left, like went really far away and nobody could contact her for a long time. And like, look, <laughs> I'm when somebody dies in front of you, I'm sure that like it's fucking crazy. But I, I don't. It's true. So I, I, it's hard for me to like like try to be like this doesn't make sense well it's hard to like say that when somebody just died in front of you like that you know yeah and who he was right so who he was and he was he was a very you know in his own world right he was a very powerful guy right and so when you take when you're involved in that you're like shit you know and so i think that uh I, I honestly don't think it was on purpose. I really don't. Whether it was a bad batch of whatever they were partying with or Dennis's heart just had enough. He had, you know, he had a lot of things he was doing at that time. Like all of his medication was a heavy duty diabetes medication. It wasn't for the faint of heart. He yeah. had been diabetic years. You know, every day I see Dennis pull his shirt up and put that needle into his pancreas and, and, and give himself a shot several times a day you can't party like that you know what i mean you can't you're not gonna live so the fact that he did live as long as he did wow just wow so i'm not sure that there was any foul play with that i really don't think it was if there was it wasn't on purpose i don't i don't really see it that way uh yeah. but what i wasn't there right so what do i know Sure. Did you say bad batch? Do you think I've heard people say they were doing cocaine that night? Do you think that that's what was going on? Yeah, I mean, whether Dennis was doing the cocaine that night and she was doing the cocaine or it got mixed up or it got slipped to him or he was doing, I'm not sure what was happening, but I've also heard the same thing. There was a lot of partying going on that night in the room. Um, and, um, but he was, as far as I know, alone when it happened, she wasn't in the room. So that's my understanding, but I could be wrong. She did walk back in on him and he was no longer alive, but I'm not sure exactly what happened. But I, you know, when I went to his funeral, because out of respect for working for him for so many years, I did go to his funeral. Um, I saw, you know, a lot of different people with a lot of different stories, but none of them were there. So what do we know? Folks, I really want you to hang on to those last words. Uh, Nobody was there. So what do we know? You know, I think that's pretty powerful because, uh, yeah, I've heard many different um, theories about Dennis Hoff's death. Um, I'll be honest, just off the hip, I definitely thought there would be more to this entire thing. Um, But, you know, I've talked to several people around this and I definitely encourage you to check out the video that I referenced. if you Google Dasha killed Dennis says Zach Hames, you can find 
I will display my screen right now um, for two different reasons. Uh, but first of all, we'll display this. If you Google Dasha killed Zach Hames, you will be able to find that article that I displayed. Here it is. It's on 360 News Las Vegas. Um, and the entire 53-minute interview is up where Dasha Dare actually responds to um, Zach Hames' allegations. Um, so definitely check that out and look into it. I will just say that everybody that I've talked to, it does seem to be a consensus that he just was unhealthy and uh, that the cause of death was natural. To that end, here is the autopsy report where it does say, you know, his cause of death, our manner of death was natural. The cause of death are these <laughs> symptoms or these conditions that I am displaying on the screen right now. I'm going to read them for comedic value so that healthcare professionals can laugh at my mispronounced pronunciations. Uh, I probably just mispronounced that. Anyways, acute myocardial infarction due to the atherosclerotic and hypertensive cardiovascular disease. Other significant conditions include diabetes mellitus and obesity. So, you know, um, I'm not, I about said as much as I wanted it to be some spicy story, I don't wish you know, anything bad on anybody. Um, but when you hear about something like this, I can't help when you hear about somebody, a freaking pimp, basically running to be a politician. And then all of a sudden he dies and then his assistant dies. And then I heard some rumor that I've not been able to verify, uh, that his pilot died. Um, it just sounded like, you know, the typical conspiracy theory. So I just wanted to explain very quickly that while I think, I think what Danielle said before I send you back into this episode is perfectly is the best way to put it. Nobody was there. And so we don't know, but for all intents and purposes, it seems like this death was a natural death that, that you know, there wasn't any foul play involved with regard to like, you know, somebody purposefully, purposefully trying to kill this person. Enjoy the rest of the episode. We talked about Riff Raff, uh, Lamar Odom, um, you know, or we didn't talk about Lamar Odom, but Lamar Odom is another, you know, well-known celebrity folks. If you don't know what happened with Lamar Odom, you can just search it up. And Dennis right. has given hour long interviews about it. So you yeah. can find out about the, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just curious, I, you know, if you feel uncomfortable uh, with, with this question, it's okay. But with, with this comfortable is you are. Can you name drop some heavy names that have come into the brothel? I'm just curious. Well, I mean, like there's people that have been his longtime friends, like uh, Dan Haggerty. He used to be General Ben back in TV show back in the 80s, the 70s and oh. 80s. One of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Um, of course, there's, you know, like the rock stars that have come in, uh, you know, five finger death punch came in one time and visited us on tour, you know, that kind of thing. There's lots of bands that's been in, um, you know, there's also been like, uh, there's been like Tucker Carl Carlson's been there, you know, they, he's talked to Tucker Carlson. You yeah. Know, he, did they, it, they were, he did interviews. He didn't procure women, did he? <laughs> right. 
Oh yeah, no, but he came in and he was there like when we had festivities and stuff. Not that I know of that he went back with anybody, but he definitely was there talking to Dennis and seeing what was going on, you know. And of course, I mean, there's all all kinds of people would come in just to see, of course, what was going on, right? I mean, there's plenty of people that came in to see comedians, you know, because he his one of his best friends is one of the top comedians, you know. So who's that? The, uh, Bob Zamuda. Bob Zamuda, he would come in frequently and stay with us. Ron Jeremy, of course, was there a few times. Um, China, the wrestler, she was really good friends with Dennis and one of the sweetest souls I've ever met. Very sad about her passing. Uh, things like the people like that, like um, you have uh, a gladiator, the wolf, wolfman, gladiator. He was also, he would come in on the parties. Things like that, just people like that would come in and visit Dennis stay for the parties and leave. You know, Dennis always had fantastic birthday parties. So he would do that. They would come in and, you know, hang around and see what's going on. Yeah. Well, um, this has been really fun. I, I don't know. I'd love to do this with you again. I hope you've had a good time chatting with me today. Great. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, good deal. Um, it's just so interesting to hear about uh, the job that you had. And like I said, I'd love to chat with you again in the future. I'm sure I can think of uh, other questions. You know, it's just coming from what I usually talk about and what I do on a day to day basis. It's like totally different from what you saw day to day. So is it was an experience like i said right it was an education for me that i've taken to heart and i've and i've uh used uh my knowledge in uh furthering my you know my work career and stuff like that in different in different areas you learn a lot there and you just take what you learn and put it in your life where you can use it so that's what i've done but love talking to you anytime you want to talk more if you have any more questions you think of i'm more than willing to answer them for you yeah, well, absolutely. I guess one one last question I forgot to ask, like, did we formally say how how and when you got out of the business? Uh, Suzette, let me go. Oh, January for January 1st, 2018, because I reacted to her bullying another employee. And it was about the fifth or sixth time that I'd lost a good workmate because of her actions, because she's she's that person. And, um, I couldn't handle it anymore after 10 years, love going on 11 years. I just had enough. And I had, and I was, as I got older, I just turned into a different person and I, I couldn't hold it in anymore. And I stood my ground. And when I stood my ground, I got let go. What she, what was she doing? Uh, she was very verbally and physically abusive to my bartender who was a male. And he actually walked off the job because of her abuse and I was just like, okay. Um, and he's still working there. He went back to work for them, but they let me go after I stood up for him. And that's fine. That's great. Do what you need to do. But I couldn't have lived with myself if I didn't react the way I did. So, yeah. And sorry, I know I said I was, we were wrapping up, but you mentioned bullying and stuff earlier. So that made me think, uh, yeah, what kind of, what were kind of the things that she or that he or they would say to the girls in bullying fashion? Well, just, you know, like you could have wore this different, you could be this, you could do your hair this way, or they would get their hair done that way, or they could, or they would get a spray tan because they were too white, or they had to wear specific clothing and shoes and look a, diff a certain way and walk a certain way. Yeah. And just like take the girl completely out of her safe zone to make the girl what they wanted. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which Your dog is had something to say about it. Yeah, her name's Precious. She always has something to say. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it was after a while, after 10 years, it got to me and I couldn't do it anymore because I just turned into a different person. I grew into a different person and I just couldn't keep my mouth shut anymore. And I wasn't wanted anymore because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. So it was probably best um, taking this <laughs> a few years to, you know, deal with the PTSD of working there because literally there was, and I was physically ill and my doctor said I needed to uh, go a different way also because it made me sick, L- literally physically sick. Yeah. Work and, and dealing with their shenanigans every day is what I'll say. Fair. So. Did you deal with bullying amongst the girls? I heard like sometimes girls would slip bleach and other in the shampoo, try to sabotage each other. And there were some cases where shampoo didn't end up being shampoo. Um, you know, um, there was some, you know, not so much physical bodily harm, but maybe cars and stuff stolen and things like that that you would have to watch. And there's cameras all over the bunny ranch, so you see everything going on. So, um, but things like that did come up, especially with girls be, um, thinking they're better than what they really are and then taking on the new little girls coming in if they felt threatened. Right. So that always, yeah, no matter where you go, whether it's a college, whether it's a high school, whatever, right. Still that stuff's going to happen when it comes to caddy women. And if this one woman was being built up by Dennis and Suzette, oh, you're the star. This woman was getting jealous of that. And then there was a clash. That happened all the time. There's a couple fights on HBO that were hilarious in person. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but they were true fights. They weren't made up. They were like not staged. They were real fights. Oh, wow. So if you ever get to watch the show, right, you'll see a couple shows in there, a couple, a couple of the scenes, and they're real fights. They're not made up. Like I was there. I was in, I was in the background. So... I've got, we, we bought the whole season, a, a whole collection of cat house. So I'll have to look out for you. Yeah. I, you won't see my face, but you'll hear my voice and you'll see my hands taking money and stuff in the office and maybe in the background running around. I did seven, cool seven, seven or eight episodes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I would, I'd love to talk to you about that and stuff, but maybe we can save that for the next time. Maybe we can talk about cat Absolutely. house the next time. Cool. Sure. Whatever wanted you just let me know i'm here sounds good well hey thank you so much uh for sitting down with me and i hope that uh you enjoy the rest of your evening and stay in touch i'll i'll be reaching out to you uh to uh yeah have another chat i really appreciate your time you're welcome cole have a good night you too take care